Hello, everyone. So on this next episode of the podcast, we have John Crosby, the Vice President of Operations at GR Label. And John's the first label converter on the podcast, so trailblazing from that standpoint. And John talks about his journey in towards zero landfill. So he's really a leader in sustainability in our industry, and so really happy to have him on. We go over metrics uh, in sustainability that he's been tracking and uh, since the beginning of his journey, some standards and certifications out there around sustainability, and talk about kind of the market and the end user adoption all around sustainability. So this is a great podcast for anybody in sustainability or OEM product teams looking to understand how they can incorporate uh, more sustainable product products into their um, product stack. So that's it. I bring you John Crosby from GR Label. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everyone, again. Thanks for listening in and tuning in for another podcast episode here on the Better Product Solutions podcast. And excited to bring John Crosby from GR Label on the podcast. So, John, I'll let you introduce yourself, your title here, Vice President of Operations, GR Label. And um, I'm excited to have you on because we're kind of, well, we're trailblazing here. You're trailblazing because up to this point, I've had, you know, material suppliers and a couple of Taponians, you know, within our organization, but I haven't yet had a label converter on. So you're right. the first of that. So happy to have you on. And I guess just give you the softball. Tell us about yourself and your role at uh, GR Label. Thanks, Steve. Super glad to be here. Glad to be the first uh, converter on the series. Um, so John Crosby, Grand Rapids Label. Uh, I am in my 28th year with the company and I'm vice president of operations. So I oversee all the operations here. Um, and then I'm, I'm probably our lead champion on sustainability as well. And that's, I know what we're going to talk a lot about today. We're not experts, but we have a journey and a story to tell. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's about it for now. I, I guess I'll add, I also am a, a part owner, right? I'm a family member. We're a fourth generation business and I am a family member as well. So part of the ownership group. Yeah, for sure. And I, of course, met you, you know, TapeCon's a recent new member of TLMI and I joined yeah. TLMI because several people told me, Hey, that's where the action is at the committee level is where the action is. And of course you and I met, um, at that committee summit and I knew right off the bat, I think, you know, your your activity, your involvement in the sustainability, I guess, aspect of TLMI has been really big. And just me meeting you, I knew right away that you were, you know, leading in the space, you know, way ahead of the game. I started scouting your website, I think, at the TLMI event, like, you know, what, what's this company up to? And was immediately impressed. And so um, the Zero Landfill journey, um, of course, you know, sticks right out. And that's why I was really excited to have you on. So, you know, so tell the story, you know, I mean, um, of the company's journey to zero landfill. So uh, again, we're, we're a, we're a seasoned company, been around a long time and we've, we've believed in sustainability for a long time. Um, but as of 2012, just over 10 years ago, we, we were at a recycling rate of maybe 10%. And so a, most of our waste was going to landfill. Uh, we met as an ownership group, and ironically, it was at a TLMI event where we had some offsite time and time to discuss uh, strategy for the company. And we started talking about legacy as an ownership group. And one of the primary things, if not the primary thing that came up, was a legacy of sustainability that our owners wanted to see for the fifth generation of the company. 
and and that a lot of that came from our spouses who brought a perspective of what their children would like to see, which was really great for us to hear. And we we got more engaged with sustainability, and and from there really felt that zero landfill was the the most tangible sustainability you know item we could work on. And I would still present that to anybody. There's there's a whole field of things that you can work on, but I think that's the most tangible for your customers and and their story they're trying to tell, um, your employees and and how they act and behave at home. And so on. So that's that's how we got started with the journey was was just being committed as an ownership group. Yeah, and I and and I, that's like obviously it talks about you as a leader. I mean, a leader. You know, when I always think of leadership, I think of like having a strong and compelling vision, and then grounding. I'll say the organization in core values and principles. And I feel like you get you're kind of getting a twofer there with sustainability. It's like this is kind of how we're going to act as an organization, and then here's a very clear and compelling goal and vision, and you knew you're starting out metric. I mean, it's pretty, well, it's not, I guess you can talk about how easy it is to measure, but percentage to landfill, I mean, hey, we're all real, we're all dealing yeah. with raw materials in, we're convert, we're, there's a conversion process, and then there's either a sellable product coming out or or it's going somewhere else into a waste stream. So can you talk about, I guess, the metrics? You mentioned, um, you yep. know, the zero landfill as that core metric, how, um, how easy was it, I guess, to, to to pick that as the metric? And what other kind of um, metrics do you have in the journey that's kind of defining where you were and and how you progressed? Yeah, so so I'll I'll answer that last part second. But the the zero to landfill, I again I would I would argue that's probably the best path to start with the sustainability journey because it is very measurable. Now we had to figure out measurement techniques. I'm going to make another plug for TLMI. And one of the first steps we took when we said, okay, we're going to go for zero landfill. We didn't know how long that would take. We didn't know how to get there. So we reached out to TLMI members that we knew and knew well and and got their help. And it's a great community. And and my offer would be the same to any other member or non-member for that matter. You know, call me and ask and I'll help guide you on that on that trip. And that's what we did um, with, with a company called Label World, which I believe is now part of WS. Uh, yeah. up in Rochester and John McDermott, incredibly helpful, went and visited him. He walked me through the whole process and all that learning they had over their previous 10 years, they were able to condense and show us, okay, here are the steps you need to go to go through. So that's incredibly powerful, right? Instead of having to invent it and learn it all yourself, you know, ask someone else. Um, so, but that metric, they, they then showed us how they kept track of it. And we started incorporating some of those techniques and and it really is pretty simple right i mean it's it's how much you're recycling your recycler has that information how much is going to landfill you get your bill every month of how many tons go to landfill and then we had to find other avenues like matrix going for energy but you get a you know an invoice for that as well so then we started keeping track of that metric now other metrics right yeah. so we we're pretty simple we're keeping track of electrical use and gas use and emissions, we have our own coding operation, so we keep track of emissions off the coder into the atmosphere. Um, and what am I missing? Uh, water, water use. Water. So, so we just we started adding all those into the, you know, the uh, data that we were collecting and work on improvement projects. But zero waste to landfill was definitely the biggest project that we had. 
Yeah, but it's interesting that the, when you look at the metrics, you know, there's that there's the dollar, like you actually have dollars coming in through invoices that you can track. But then, you know, the different unit of measures of the waste, you mentioned weight and then emissions coming off the process as almost like a processing metric. Um, yeah. It's interesting that you kind of captured all three. Did you start with um, which one did you start with? Was it kind of just like dollars and cents in the beginning or 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 weight? And then you kind of evolved into capturing more metrics. Was there a progression of of kind of incorporating new metrics over time? Definitely have started with the volumes more than the dollars. So, right, so water, it's in 100 cubic, you know, feet or meters and, you know, the same for gas usage and, and really paying attention to that because rates change from your, your carriers and the dollars get a little convoluted. Of course, you're trying to save money by reducing those volumes. But we've, we've always tracked volume of use right from the beginning and not not associated dollars with it. Now, on the landfill side, we've done both because we wanna show an ROI, because we may have to invest. Um, we have never invested in a baler. That comes up a lot when you're trying to go zero landfill, um, and, and that would require saving some money to pay for a baler, perhaps. But we always kept track in case we had to make some investments. Just a quick plug on that. I mean, we are cost neutral based on what we used to send to landfill versus now what we send to energy and so on. It's all cost neutral, but and we know that because we keep track of the dollars on that one. Awesome. Yeah, and, and I also appreciate the TLMI plug that you made in terms of the collaboration. I'll just say that I do feel that in our industry where people are so willing, you know, yourself, obviously, we turn on this podcast, you've already shared a bunch with me. Um, but just the willingness of some of these converters to, to just open up the doors, share, where I feel like there's just a lot of building on, you know, the foundation of others and then the continuous improvement continues to happen. So I just love hearing those stories where people are open and willing to have those conversations to kind of it's advance a fair, it. It's a fairly unique group in that in that standpoint, right? I mean, I mean, there's not reciprocation asked for. It's like, come on in, I'll show you how we did this. And mm -hmm. and I guess it's enough of a fragmented industry that, hey, there's enough competitors out there that you don't compete with day-to-day, region-by-region, that you'll find one that you're willing to share and and, the, and the, it's not going to hurt their business at all. Yeah, right, for sure. The um, standards, you know, you look at standards, certifications, I mean, you know, there's there's a bunch out there. People could probably get lost in where to start, you know, from either, you know, globally recognized standards like ISO all the way down to, I'll say, more affinity group or trade show or trade association standards. But I guess, can you speak to the different standards landscape that you've come across? What have you kind of gotten involved in? I taken ownership with, ag agreed to comply and take the credit uh, with the actual standard and just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so there's a lot more standards out there than I'm aware of, but we're ISO 14001 certified, which we were in 2004. ISO is very procedure driven. Uh, it's somewhat metric driven, but more procedure driven that you have all the, you know, the proper processes in place that can be audited by a third party. Um, very good standard, globally recognized. In 2008, we became LIFE certified, which was a TLMI certification that has since gone away um, and what TLMI is now recommending is going through SGP sustainable green printers which we've not signed up for um, but I think it's it's very worthy and they would be very metric driven um, then outside of that you're seeing more uh, almost desk audit programs coming in from customers like Ecovatus out of Europe um, SAQ supplier assurance quality or questionnaire 
also, I believe, out of Europe. You're seeing more of these that are very extensive questionnaires that audit. You have to submit uh, evidence of your processes and so on, and they, they do a desk audit from from some other, you know, from Europe and score you, and then they provide that to an OEM. You're seeing more of that um, coming right now. I don't think that's as um, as robust as a third-party auditor like ISO 14001, but but it is a maybe an, an easier way for a customer to check on a supplier. Yeah, no, I agree. We're also seeing more, you know, whether it's you know in, involved in either an RFP type process, we're seeing more questions. You know, it's obviously it's a good sign, right? It means that the procurement side of the house of our end user customers are starting to add this as you know requirement. Hey, check the box. Show us that you're engaged in some activity and that you're doing something as an organization. It's it's all part. It's being weighted now in the rubric of supplier selection process, which you know is is a signal of it's a good signal, obviously. And I, I, and I think I guess, that's a great way. I think Steve, that's a great way to look at it. Is yeah. it's it's evolving, it's maturing, and and now they're scouting out their supply base more thoroughly. Yeah, and it's trending. It's trending in the right direction because we're seeing more of it too. You know, so it's like yep. you know, it's it's like this push pull thing. Obviously, you're pushing. Like you're you're from the inside out, uh, principle driven with ownership on board toward a toward a leadership vision and grounded in principle. But it's which is all great. You know, it's it's commendable. But it's also nice to hear that they're that the market's also kind of pulling too, and that's good. Yep. How is it? Um, I guess translated out to conversations either up your supply chain with suppliers or downstream to the customer conversations with your customers how have your how have conversations changed with your customers around the topic whether with whether it's you know when you're taking a new opportunity in through a you know through the request for quote process or an intake form process or if you're qualifying your own suppliers mm -hmm. as part of your supplier qualification process have you seen an evolution uh, on the sustainability front in those types of conversations Absolutely, but I would say it's light, right? The, in the evolution, it's still light, the engagement in both directions. So from, from our standpoint, we're talking about sustainability with our suppliers all the time, but we don't have demands that they be at certain points. We're just, we're starting the conversation with them. It's in our supplier manual uh, that they recognize the need for that, that they're supporting our organization and that's, it's part of our mission, but we haven't put up barriers to being a supplier yet so that right that's an evolution we're headed toward the from the customer's standpoint i would say it's somewhat similar in that like the top one percent of our progressive customers are now asking about both the products and the company being us you know what are we doing as a company and and we'll report to them and they want to see improvements right okay so you have this much emission off your coder, what are you doing to reduce that? What are you doing to get to 0% emissions? And and they want to see an action plan. It might take five years or or whatever, but they but that's an incredibly progressive group. Similarly, they they would ask, hey, if you if you're sending us polyester labels, what's the post-consumer, you know, waste or or the you know, or you have some recycled product in there, what's your goal to get there? So they're putting us on a on an action plan, uh, you know, process, but but that's at most one percent. The rest mm -hmm. are talking about it. We're we're presenting to our customers what we're doing. They're very interested, 
um, but it's not qualifying yet, it, right? As they're not qualifying us as being a supplier yet on it. Right. But a lot more conversations. Yeah, no, a lot more conversations for sure. And I guess if, if there's if there's that, you know, and I'll say an engineering persona at a new prospective customer that's calling you, mm-hmm. I have to imagine that for newer business that might trigger new opportunities where to have those conversations, maybe some legacy stuff like the ship sailed on, you know, the existing product that you've been maybe producing for a while, but on the newer type opportunities that come in the door, can you talk about maybe whether or not your organization has either changed some questions or, or um, maybe prompting them to consider something that maybe they didn't consider? So if you're the design engineer contacting your organization, um, what, what questions are, are you challenging them? Like, Hey, here's your, here's your, uh, regular, here's one option. And then here's the sustainable options. Are they reacting to that? They are the, um, and, and we are doing more of that, right? We're internally, we're offering alternate solutions that are more sustainable and presenting that, um, where it goes from there, you know, I'm not, I'm not entirely clear, right? I mean, it's still performance-based, typically price-based somewhat, but, but those sustainable products are getting more competitive and getting better on, on performance as well. So, sure. you know, we're making that part of our standard operating procedure to, to present those things and, and give that option. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, no, that's good. No, it's all good. Yeah. I, and I was also thinking about, and this is kind of random, but on the workforce development side, when you talk about recruitment, employees coming in, you know, I like how on your website, I saw green DNA, you know, it's like green DNA. I like that phrase, by the way. And I'm just curious, have you heard of when, on the recruiting process, either bringing employees from GR Label in the organization, um, whether or not, you know, they've made reference to that, like, hey, I'm here because, you know, I looked at, you know, these three companies and you guys really stood out. Have you have you been getting some return on investment in terms of on the recruiting side? Everyone's dealing with workforce issues. It's always nice to kind of put some, I'll say, purpose alignment behind the employees as well as the organization. Have you found that that Venn diagram actually fits really well from employee to employer around the green DNA? I, it, it does. And, and I think we've seen that probably for 10 years where uh, employees get drawn to that message and want to come interview for that reason, which is perfect, right? That's exactly where we want to be. And we've really, in the last year or so, put a stake in the ground that we want to associate with customers that have the same vision and and employees and suppliers, right? So so we keep building on that. It definitely is, is you, you can hear it in the interview process mm-hmm. that, that it stood out. Awesome. That's me running through all my questions. That was um, quick. I mean, so John, I know, I know it went pretty quick. Yeah, but I mean, I just, I think it's awesome. And the industry ha- is is um, fortunate to have you in the industry, John, in terms of, you know, the leadership on the committee front and the willingness to share and kind of advancing this stuff. Um, so I really appreciate all that you guys are doing. It's a, it's just so, so cool to kind of peek under the hood and have you share some of that stuff. Is there anything that, um, I guess, before we wrap this up that you might want to either add or close with or anything else that you want to kind of just get out that that's rolling around in your head. So this is what happens when you get two engineers talking about something that goes quick. We're right on it. Let's <laughs> yeah, go. Right. Um, right. It took us 10 years to get to zero landfill. So 2023 will be our first year of, of zero landfill. And in hindsight, 10 years is not that long. 
while you're going through it, you don't know how long it's going to take. And we did improve every single year. You know, we went to 20%, 30%, right, just marched right on up. And we knocked down, right, barrier after barrier, which there will be barriers. And that's that's my plug is you're going to hit roadblocks. You know, how do you store the material? Where do you send it? You know, how do you gather it like a baler or other techniques? And there's a lot of us in the industry and at TLMI who have been down that path. And that's what you're going to want to reach out for is, okay, I, I'm at this barrier. How do I get past it? And, and we'll be able to help. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, John, thanks for yeah. being on. I'm going to stop the recording here, but I appreciate okay. you being on. Yeah. And um, for those listening, you're welcome. I'm sure you're going to, yeah. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks. Yeah. The Better Products Podcast is about educating product teams about new materials and new technologies, all in the custom material converting and printed electronic space to help them design and build better products. So in this podcast, I'm hoping to give wide-ranging conversations with various people throughout the industry and just bring a lot of good content to the table. So if you're interested in learning more about the industry, materials, processes, how to improve uh, products if you're on a product team, or just general know-how of what the heck is going on in this industry, then subscribe to the podcast and get ready for some more really good episodes as I bring in some great guests. Thanks.